My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Let's worship him on this resurrection morning. Give your praise to the living Savior. Give your praise to the one who's made the difference in your life. Giving praise and glory and honor. He loves you and he cares deeply for you. Reaching out to everyone this morning. Let the presence of the Lord minister his grace and peace to your heart. And let you know that you're loved and that he desires to save, to help, and to strengthen you. I thank God for his redemption. I thank him for the blood that washes and cleanses from all sin. And we ask that the Lord would be with you, especially on this Easter morning, which is very unique because churches are not allowed to have church all over the world. And this is the first Easter that I know of anywhere in history where we weren't allowed to have church. But here we are online still having church in our homes. That doesn't change the presence of God now. God is still God. So I hope that you're having a good morning and that your family and you are doing well on this resurrection morning. I thank you for joining us. We're delighted that you have connected and tuned in to our live broadcast. Just a few announcements before we get into the Word. First of all, live streaming continues next Wednesday through Friday at 7 p.m., so please connect with us Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 7 p.m. We've got some great things planned for you. And uh, tonight, if possible, I'd like for you to do a devotion with your family if you can because we're not going to be online this evening and I know that Jesus is always online so you can always connect with him and he'll bless you and minister to you you can anoint your house you can contact uh, a backslider or somebody that God's put on your heart you can minister to their faith you can encourage them and sending text or emails or however you communicate let them know that, that God is with us and that God is going to help us and he's going to see us through to the end. Also to all of our healthcare professionals, let us say a wonderful thank you to you for all of your hard work and our first responders and people that are in the fight trying to fight this virus and keep people alive and treat people. We appreciate and value you so very much and we're praying for you and we want you to be encouraged. We want you to be blessed and, and we want God to give you the strength. We're gonna make it through this. We're probably over the hump now. Thank the Lord for that. We've been praying for healing all over the nation, praying for our leaders to have the wisdom to make the right decision. And what better time to do that on this Easter Sunday morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're praying for our nation. We're praying for all those that have been affected by this virus and their families, those who are grieving, those who are still sick and fighting for their life. We're praying for healing and we speak healing into your life in Jesus' name. 
Now, I want you to receive by faith the word of God into your spirit because the Lord has laid something on my heart. It's, it's unique the way God works a lot of times because when he wants to change your focus, when he wants to change your perspective, because he knows you're focused on the wrong thing, you're looking at the wrong thing, and you're looking for the wrong thing. He has a unique way of changing that perspective and refocusing your, your thought and mindset and focus you on the right thing and get you looking at and for the right things. Now, his unique way of doing that is he likes to ask questions. And he doesn't give you the answer to the question. But in the question is the answer if you're so inclined to find it. And that's exactly what happened to the women when they came to the tomb that Sunday morning. They were wanting to anoint the body of Jesus. They were disciples of Jesus Christ. They were good people. They weren't bad people, but they were focused on the wrong thing. And these angels in Luke 24 and 5, and as they were afraid, that was the women, they bowed their faces to the earth, and they said unto them, these are the angels speaking now, why seek ye the living among the dead? Now, that is the question, because that's what God did for Job. He asked him 78 questions in the book of Job to try to refocus his thinking and get him looking at the right thing. And, and these women just needed their, their viewpoint corrected, their perspective corrected. They were in the right place. It sounds like from the question that they were in the wrong place. So why are you here? That's not what they were asking. They were asking, they were declaring to them, they say, you're in the right place but you're just looking for the wrong thing. And so I want to talk to you and I want to speak into your spirit here today because God is going to change our level of expectation and we're going to start expecting the supernatural. We're going to start expecting the resurrection life to be more than a story we tell once a year, but it's going to be something that's going to come alive in your heart and transform you from the inside out. In Jesus' name, the Lord is going to do it. Their expectation was too low. All they saw was a graveyard. They had a prophetic word from God that had promised a resurrection. That promise had not only been given by the prophets of old, but that promise was spoken even by the mouth of Jesus. The promise was here, but their expectation was down there because they were focused on the right thing. So they needed what I call the angelic nudge or the holy bump to change their expectation and to change their level and focus from the problem to the promise. He's not dead, he is alive. And everybody needs that nudge every once in a while. It can come from a preacher, it can come from the voice of the saint, it can come from God just speaking to you in the night. God can give you that spiritual nudge. They were in essence saying that you can find God anywhere you're at if you're looking for him. If your expectation elevates to the level of the promise, 
You can find God. Mary came looking for him and almost missed him because she supposed Jesus was the gardener. Mary found that Jesus in the graveyard and she discovered when he called her name and spoke her name, something transformed. She had that nudge, that holy bump. I know we're having that social distancing and we can't do the handshake anymore. We got to do that holy bump. And yet God needs to kind of move us into a position. I'm tired of people talking negative. I'm tired of people telling me it's not going to work out, that this is the last thing and that it's never going to be better. I believe that my God has better things in store for his people. If we would call upon his name in prayer, he's got the promise and he's got the answer. This is throughout scripture we see this. Jacob found God in a place called Luz. It means separation, a dry place. It means departure. Jacob was running for his life. He was running from his brother Esau and he was on his way to a new land that he'd never seen before in a new culture he was unfamiliar with. But something happened, that angelic visitation, that angelic nudge when he was in a dream and he saw the ladder and the angels ascending and descending upon the ladder and all of a sudden he received that, that spiritual visitation, that bump in the Holy Ghost that kind of moved him and nudged him and he realized the Lord is in this place. You may not recognize it right now what God's doing, but God is in this place. He said, the Lord was in this place, but I knew it not. And something needs to happen to us to change our place of fear and sorrow to a place of hope and salvation. Very simply, Jacob found God because there's nothing special about love. There wouldn't be anybody on this broadcast that could even perceive the possibility of finding God in a place called love. It was not favorable. It was not a good circumstance. The mentality wasn't favorable. The timing wasn't favorable for an audience with God. It was an unusual place, but God has always specialized in revealing himself in the most unusual times and places. Almost every person that finds God is in a circumstance in their life that's difficult. Not all of us were healthy when we found God. Not all of us were trouble-free when we found God. In fact, many of us turn to God as one last desperate effort trying to correct the wrong things in our life. Broken marriages, broken homes, incurable diseases, insurmountable indebtedness, facing sure bankruptcy, dependence on drugs and alcohol to the point that life and health is ruined. Yes, most that come to God have found him in their unusual circumstances. But I want you to understand something here this morning, and I think it's important. Finding God is the most important thing you will ever do in your life. And that means now, not to wait till the circumstance change. Don't wait till something gets better. You need to find God now. You might find friends during these difficult times, but the most important friend you're ever going to find, his name is Jesus. You might find riches in this time, but Jesus is still the greatest treasure that you will ever find. You may find some semblance of happiness, but it's not going to last. But there is a joy that is unspeakable, and it is full of glory, and it can only be found in Jesus Christ. 
you can find some rest, but only in Jesus can you find eternal rest. Come unto me and I will give you rest. You can find some truth out there, but if you listen to the media, you don't even know who to believe because everybody's telling you a different story and everybody's trying to feed you all of this stuff and who knows who's telling the truth, but I do know somebody who is the truth and his name is Jesus. And I've got my faith in his word. And I've got my faith in his truth. When you don't know who to believe, then you need to get back in the book and find out he's, had, he's got a promise for you. And he's got a resurrection for you. And there's a deliverance for your life. In all your searching and seeking, be sure you find the Lord. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You better seek and find God. Because the devil is also seeking and he will find you. The devil will find you. And he's not just interested in possessing you. He's not just interested in you being a part of his team, so to speak. He's not trying to get you to join the club. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to devour you. He'll lie to you. He'll tell you everything and he'll do whatever he can to destroy you. But Jesus tells us the value of finding him in Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. That's how much it's worth. It's worth everything you have to receive the Holy Ghost, to be baptized in Jesus' name, to have the privilege of repenting of your sins and being forgiven and your sins being washed away forever. That is worth everything you have. There's no treasure on this earth that measures to the treasure of the truth of salvation. I just want you to know we're on our way to another world. And that promise is the greatest promise. And I thank God for that good news. The good news is, is you can find God anywhere you're at. If you can find God in the graveyard, you can find God anywhere. And if you can find God in this time, you can find God anywhere. You say, well, what's the key? How do I find him? Desire is the key to finding God. One thing about desire to the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. At 211 degrees, water is hot enough for you to use to shave or to make a cup of coffee. But if you add one more degree, you've got enough steam to run an electric generator or power a steamboat around the world. Desire can either make you coffee or it has the power to power your steamboat. Desire will cause you to put forth that one extra effort or that one more step. One soldier was in the heat of the battle and he cried, Sir, calling to his commander, my sword is too short. And his commander cried back, said, Soldier, add another step to it. He said, What are you going to do in this hour, Brother Kinsey? I'm going to add another step. I'm going to put another degree. I'm going to set that thing on fire and I'm going to let my heart burn within me. 
the usual places we find God, we can find God in church services among great believers and camp meeting when your spirit is high, when you get the check in the mail or when you get good news or among the fellowship of God's people. And it's easy to find God when somebody's encouraging you. But what about when there's no church? What about when you're Jacob and you're running from your brother? What about when your world is falling apart, when he is forced to leave home and he's hurt deep down and he's lonely and he's by himself. You know what? When Jacob encountered God, he didn't even focus on taking care of his problem back home. He just said, God, if you'll go with me and if you'll protect me and if you'll provide for me, I'll come back and pay tithes. That's exactly what he told God. He said, I'll come back. I'll bring everything I get and I'll come back and pay tithes. Now, brother, you talk about somebody moving on. God moved on him to want to do that. And that's what you need to do. You need to focus on the promise. Quit looking at the graveyard. Quit looking at a tomb you can't get into. The tomb is already empty. Jesus is alive and he is resurrected and he is in this place. The most authentic and real experience you will ever find from Jesus is when you start looking for him for yourself and quit waiting on a choir to sing to you and a preacher to preach to you and a church to have church for you. You need to start looking for God right now in the midst of this crisis and find that I can discover him in an unusual place. Moses found God on the backside of the desert. Job found God in the depth of sickness and loss. Hezekiah found God during a terminal illness. Isaiah found God at the death of a friend. Gideon found God in the stress of oppression. Elijah found God in the strain of depression. And there's a lot of oppression and depression that's moving on people across the world because of all of this. People are afraid and that depression is affecting their minds and their thinking and their spirit. And they're easy prey for, for power mongers who want to assert and take power that doesn't belong to them and they have no right to. And yet they're doing it. They're seizing the moment to try to exert their power so that they can oppress and depress people. And there's a spirit of darkness that goes with that kind of thinking and attitude. And I come against it right now in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that spirit of oppression and depression that's on our people. We're going to find God in the midst of all of this. And we're going to find that he's not only a God that can see us through, but he is a God that can cause us to thrive. He's a God that said, I'll protect you and I'll provide for you and I will bless you because he's that kind of God. It was an issue of blood that brought one little woman to Jesus. It was the blindness that caused Bartimaeus to cry out the more. It was the dying daughter of Jairus that caused him to seek out Jesus. It was the vexation of having a demented son that brought one man to Jesus. It was paralysis that caused others to seek Jesus. It was a dying son that brought a nobleman to Jesus. Peter, James, and John found Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. Paul found God right in the middle of a career of hate and cruelty. And John found God on the Isle of Patmos. If God sends you down a rough path, he will supply tough shoes. 
Tough times never last, but tough people do. I know that some things go wrong and it can be very complex. Life can be complex and it can be perplexing. An arduous ordeal, strenuous and very difficult trials that are hard to get through. But I can assure you that God knows what he's doing and God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. And even if you've sinned and messed up like Jacob did, he caused his own problems, but God was still with him. And you may have caused every one of your own problems, but God is still with you. And he can call you into a relationship if you'll heed the call of God today. Why was Jesus born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger? Was it simply to try to make everybody think he was being persecuted and unjustly treated because of that type of situation? Was he just rejecting wealth and beauty and culture and comfort and saying that it was of no value? I don't think so. I think it was more basic than that. I think it was very simple. He put himself and placed himself exactly where everybody and anybody could find him. That is what he was doing. Not everyone could enter a palace. Not everybody could sleep in a soft bed or eat good food or wear fine clothes. But everybody even the rich can enter a stable. The poor, very familiar, perhaps as familiar as day and night, the stable, the place where anybody could meet him. Today, not everyone will be rich or comfortable or well or happy because everybody that I know of knows some kind of pain or sorrow or loss or loneliness or fear. The one human condition which all share is struggle. Everybody here struggles with something. Everybody here has the darkness and the chill and the stench of the stable in their life. But he's waiting for us. He's ministering to us. And he's here to help us accomplish his purpose and his work. I conclude with this story today. Once upon a time, there were two brothers that had a severe falling out. Feelings and tempers ran hot. Words were exchanged that should have never been spoken to anyone, especially not to a brother. But alas, a great rift formed between these two brothers. But the problem was is they lived next to each other. They had a creek that divided their property. But one of the brothers became so angry that he decided, not only do I not want to see my brother, I don't even want to look at his property. So I am going to build a fence so I don't even have to look at my brother's property. So he put an advertisement in the newspaper for a carpenter who could build a fence. And he purchased enough wood to build an eight-foot fence. And so a carpenter answers the newspaper advertisement and knocks on his door and the brother explains to the carpenter, I do not like my brother and I hate him and I don't want to see him and I don't want to see his property and I want you to take this wood that I put in the barn I've purchased for you and I want you to build me an eight-foot fence so that when I walk out on my back porch, I don't even have to see his property. And the brother went on a long journey, and of course he told the carpenter that when I come back, I would expect the fence to be completed because I cannot stand to even look at his property. And after the brother returns from his journey, the carpenter had finished his work, 
And when the brother got back at first, he was filled with fury and rage and anger at what he saw. He was astonished that instead of a fence, the carpenter built a bridge. And guess who was standing on the bridge? The brother weeping. And this is what the brother said. Any man who will build a bridge after all I've said and done is a better man than me. Please forgive me. The brother's heart melted and they both began to weep and decided to forgive each other. The moral of the story is this. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross and a carpenter named Jesus of Nazareth. He had enough wood to build a fence. There was enough bitterness and anger and hatred spit into his face that he would have been justified to build a fence to keep all of us out of heaven and would have been justified in doing it. The Pharisees cried, build me a fence. The Romans cried, build me a fence. Hell cried, build me a fence. But instead, much to their dismay, the carpenter on Calvary's hill of sorrow where sin's demands were paid and rays of hope for tomorrow across our path were laid. Our carpenter built a bridge. And guess who's standing on the bridge? Our father with outstretched arms, with tears of joy and a heart of forgiveness. And he waits for you to come home. God is calling you to come home. God's calling you to answer the call. He's standing on the bridge. He's made the way possible. You couldn't get to him. There was a gulf fixed between us and God. Our sin was too great a gulf to cross. And Jesus understood that. And he recognized even though he suffered the pain of the cross, he knew that he could not save us. And he could not help us if he did not die on the cross. But I'm so glad he did. And I'm glad the story doesn't end at a cross. It ends at an empty tomb with Jesus resurrected and alive. And he will minister to your heart. And he will change your life if you will heed the call and just look for the bridge. Now we're going to pray. I want you to gather your family around you. I know you're at home and I want you to gather your family around you. If you are on the road, our truck drivers, if you're on the road right now listening in, I want you to gather your thoughts and your spirit and try to keep one eye on the road and keep, keep another eye on Jesus. And I want you to pray and I want you to ask the Lord to minister to you right now. I feel a calling. I feel God stirring hearts. And church, we need to recognize our authority in this hour and stand in the midst of this darkness. Don't let oppression and depression get the best of you. It affects all of us in different ways. And I know that we're all a little bit down because we can't be at the church. But I promise you that God's doing a work and the Lord knows exactly how to bring us out of this with great victory and powerful revival and harvest. We just need somebody to hear the voice of God today. Gather your family around. 
If you're in your car, let's pray together. Open up your heart. I want you to pray out loud. I want everybody, all of our support team that are here, I want you to stand and we're going to pray together. And I want you to lift up your voice. All of our support team, I want you to lift up your voice. We're going to pray right now. We're going to believe God. We can find God in unusual places if we'll listen to the questions that God might be asking us. Why are you looking for something? Not just in the wrong place because you're really, you can't help the place you're at. But you're looking for the wrong thing. And if I can just adjust your thinking, your perspective right now to where you would start looking for the right thing, you can find God. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. It's the most valuable thing in your life if you just find him. And I want you to lift up your voice and say, God, call everyone home. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you need a renewing of the Holy Ghost, just lift your hands where you're at right now, right now. You can be alone. It doesn't matter. You can be alone. And I say, receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Lord God, we need that angelic nudge to show us the perspective that we got to have. We're looking for you, Lord. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let that spirit flow through you. You can begin to praise the Lord, right? I love you, Jesus. I bless your name. I give you praise and glory and honor. You are a mighty God. You are a wonderful King. And I ask that the Lord would minister to you right now. Jesus loves you. First Pentecostal Church loves you. And we're praying for you that God would speak healing and deliverance into your life. So I want you to be lifted up and encouraged. I want you to know that God is going to walk with us and he's going to be there. But I'm like Jacob. I've, I've heard the angel's voice. I've seen the angels ascend and descend. And I'm just going to start connecting to the promise. I'm going to elevate my expectation to God's promise. And he's going to give it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us on this Easter Sunday morning. And we will see you again here next Wednesday at 7 p.m. God bless you and you have a wonderful day. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.